Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. We're here in the studio, 100% healthy at this point. Well, I'm Tim Chelswick. I didn't want to tell you, on the way in this morning, I started getting a headache. No, I'm kidding. Because you were on your way into work. Yeah, That's well, probably... No, the headache was thinking about how we're going to work from home for the next two weeks. So That's a job in and of itself yeah, to get that set up. The big news here, obviously, is that uh, today, as of today, this is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, we are going to start uh, working remotely uh, from our Perspective homes. God help us all. Yeah. So, you know, for probably your job, my job, uh, you know, a couple other guys, it's maybe not as hard, but the poor mm-hmm. editors, they got to take computers home and hard drives and think through the next two weeks. And, you know, there's a lot more to it. Um, you know, working remote for them when you have big video files and all that stuff, it's just it's not tough. as cut and yeah. dry. So we're, we're, you know, we strategized on Monday morning and then, you know, the president came out and said, Hey, you know, if you can work from home, you should mm-hmm. anything over 10 people. It's probably not a good idea. We got 12 guys in the studio, 12 with questionable levels of hygiene. <laughs> the, yeah. So no amount of Purell is going to fix this place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we better be responsible. And, so that's what we're going to do. And we're under no illusion that we like Drury Outdoors is not a critical part of people's lives, yeah. but there is something to be said for normalcy and continuity and some familiar faces and familiar voices. So we're just going to keep at it. Well, and you know, I'm not naive to the fact that a, probably a big portion of our viewership may not even kind of believe in the hype yeah. around it. And I, I think you got to kind of uh, suspend all your beliefs in that regard. If you know, Hey, if, the, the government saying it's just best if we stay away from each other, even though we're sitting two feet from each other right now, if, you know, we're just trying to be responsible. And I think that's the message here. A lot of people I've seen so many memes and posts about, Hey, for you hunters out there, you know, hunters out there, will get this. This is like CWD, you know, mm-hmm. like government's going to come in and kill you. They have to hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So well, my wife and I were talking last night and she said something like, well, I just can't believe that X, Y, Y and Z. And I said, I mean, when you think about it, would you have believed anything that's happened in the past week or so had someone told you a few weeks prior? Yeah, you no. Wouldn't. There's just no precedent. No one knows much of anything. No precedence for the amount of things that they shut down in such a hurry. And, you know, we're preparing for a week and a half out of the studio. But realistically, I think you know, may have Could to prepare longer. for another week after that mm-hmm. on the short end of it. So anyhow, we've, uh, we're trying to film a bunch of podcasts so we could continue to get content out there over the next few weeks. And hopefully people have something to do, you know, to pass the time. Yeah. So, but on a side note, I'm kind of dreading working from home from a standpoint of you and me both. I, I, you know, we both have similar situations and young Mm -hmm. children, and uh, they don't know. It doesn't don't matter if you're privacy. in a basement or if your door's closed or God help all of us. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're screwed. Productivity is about to go I, way down. You know, and I'm asking the same thing of all of our guys here to do their best to not be distracted. And I, I yeah. fall, I totally fall into the same category because 
of outside influences there. And I totally think of that video that was so like surfacing on social media where the guys doing like the British doing the interview <laughs> and his kid comes in and, and then the nanny in a panic and then the kid, the other kid, like in a baby roller. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. She's like, it was like last week, Mike Chamberlain was on with us and his wife was like walking through the yeah. background of the, yeah. the frame. It's like, that's just so. what it is, what it is. <laughs> but our guest today has carved out time out of his his busy schedule, get to seeing him. patients. You tell me to shut up. We've got, <laughs> in, in a matter of speaking, yes, we've got Dr. Brick Stewart on with us. Brick is a longtime Drury Outdoors team member. Brick and a learned, on. learned doctor. Two weeks we, in a row. Two weeks in a row. Learned yeah. doctor. We're setting the bar high. That's are, right. Are What's going on, guys? Maybe he's setting it low. <laughs> <laughs> he's a doctor? He's on here. Really? <laughs> so, Makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we've, we've got... Two weeks of of shows scheduled with Brick and uh, Brick. If, if anyone's watched Dre Outdoors content for any length of time, they they know and and are familiar with him and and what he does. And we were talking internally that a lot of guys picking up a piece of property. What do you do with it? You know, maybe you've got a few deer on it, but how do you really turn it into something? Well, Brick has personal experience doing that. Yeah. So for, if correct me where I'm wrong here, but for a long time you were leasing a piece of property and then you had an opportunity. It came up for sale and it was kind of a, one of those, you can't pass it up type of deals. And so you took yeah, a, absolutely. a big risk and, and went to purchase your, your first farm. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I hunted that farm. I've hunted it for about 14 years before I had a chance to buy it. And uh, it was a handshake deal. They let me actually hunt it without having to lease it. But uh, I just had uh, the right situation where they came to me and asked me that, uh, if I was in any position to buy it. And uh, went home first thing and talked to my wife, Rachel, and made sure it was something that she was okay with me doing because it's a big financial risk. Uh, but it was something that I've always wanted. And uh, we just jumped in and did it and wouldn't change it for anything. So, so talk to us about how the property hunted prior to you taking it over. Okay. Yeah. I got to see it go through a couple different stages. When I first started hunting it, he had just taken cattle off the farm. So it was purely like old pasture ground, not really even CRP. Mm -hmm. And then he put it into row crop, which made the farm better, but uh, there still wasn't much as far as, uh, any management they the family gun hunted it and uh let a few other people's kind of men hunt it as they went to so there wasn't really any no food plots uh there was no cover no management so it was kind of a raw slate whenever i got hold of it mm. and then your your thought process when you when you went to purchase it you're thinking this is a blank slate for me to work from i can really i can really do something with this Oh, absolutely. The farm lays out great as far as the way the uh, timber lays with the ag crop and uh, just the way it all intertwines. It's a perfect layout and perfect ratio. I've got about, in my opinion, 60% timber and 40% tillable. Mm. And that's a 300-acre track. So so how long have you now owned it? Two, three years? Two years? I'm, I'm going into my fourth season this year, so about three and a half as of right now. So <clears throat> the the question I have for you has, you know, so you started implementing kind of new, you know, you, I guess you're painting it with your your brush, okay? Beautiful. So, exactly. So throughout those three years, 
have you seen a difference? Has it taken time for the herd to, to grow for, you know, maybe your, your buck to doe ratio to get better? Like what, how hard has it been to get, you know, to where you are now? Because I know the first few seasons were tough, but this past season seemed to be pretty good. Yeah, this is the first year I can say I can reap the reward of the hard work that we put into it. The uh, the first year or so, we really didn't have enough food. Uh, we uh, had a big ratio of deer. The buck to doe were way off. And we just finally hit this year the cap to where we had just enough food to carry them through. And uh, so I think it's starting to finally come around and finally holding deer too, kind of like the question of the day that they'll get to, but I'm finally starting to see deer hold over from one year to the next. So, uh, so walk us through your, your decision-making process and how you decide what, what are the priorities and then what steps you took to, to meet those, those gaps that were on the property. Well, the first thing to do, I, I always look at food cover water, which is like the recipe. I think a lot of guys use for land management, but there was no food plots, and I think that was a big thing for not holding deer throughout the year or from year to year. So I wanted to implement grain, green, and some clover that was going to be a, a perennial. And so I went in and, and tried to carve out areas for all that the first year. And so it's a big undertaking. I had nine acres dozed out the first year to go strictly into, into food. And I took some row crop out of uh, ag production to put into to food. So first thing I did was jump right in and add food to start trying to hold these deer and feed them. And I'm just now in the process of adding the second stage of that, and that's the cover. Uh, I've got some warm season grasses that I'm going to try to get in this year. Uh, I'm a little bit behind the gap with all the rain we've been having, so I'm still trying to get it in, but we'll see if it happens or not. So, uh, you know, TSI is the next thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so TSI is the next thing. With that much timber on the farm, that's one of the things I talked to Mark with, and that's where I can kind of capitalize. And I think he's got a DLD, or Wade did a DLD TV episode coming out on the TSI soon, which I think is going to be phenomenal for everybody to watch. It's interested in that. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, with TSI, like I know that a lot of guys will actually, you know, take a chainsaw to select timber. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I always heard that like Dr. Grant Woods talks about is the hack and squirt method. Oh, and sure. that way you don't have, you're not kind of trashing up the forest floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, which one did you implore the hack and squirt or the chainsaw? So what I'm doing, I'm trying to do a percentage of each of those. I want an immediate area to hold deer kind of the first year. And if you start doing the hack and squirt or the ring in the trees uh, to get into the cambium to make the deadfall over a year, you don't get as quick results. So I'm going to do a percentage of some inch cutting, which is ugly, but it'll start to hold a few. And then I'm going to go in and actually have some timber possibly harvested that are pretty good sized trees, but very, very select on them. And then some are just going to be either hack and squirt or just ring the, the cambium, ring the tree and let them die with time. So I have kind of a different stage throughout the next few years of, of uh, habitat for them. 
Do you, when you come up with that strategy, do you consult with anyone on that? Or is it just, you know, you're just gathering up as much info online that you could find? Uh, are you, you going to, cause I know a lot of the conservation departments have services yeah, they'll consult. that consult or in, a, in some instances, they'll even come to your property uh, depending on what it is you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So I gathered up a lot of information to see exactly which way I wanted to go with that because I'd read and uh, saw Dr. Grant Woods didn't really like the hinge cut. And I know uh, some other guys, Adam Keith from Land of Legacy, he likes ringing trees. So there was a variety. And so I just try to figure out what would be best for my piece. And uh, I've got some friends that are in the forestry business and they're actually the ones I'm consulting with. And they're going to help me out on selecting the trees and pick out which ones I should fall, stand and die or harvest. Am I the only one that wants to make a joke when you hear the term hack and squirt? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> no, actually, it's pretty universal. I, I, it's universal. I mentioned it, and I forget who who did the Deercast article about Jeremy Kerber. Jeremy. Yeah. So I mentioned the hack. You ought to do one about the hack and squirt method. And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea, or whatever he replied to. You know, it's like instantly, all of our minds. The Twelve go to year old ju- boy, jokes. junior high. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, <laughs> hack and squirt. Ew. Anytime you think you're a little so, too sophisticated for your own good, then something like that comes up. Yeah. You realize I'm not a grown up, really. Yeah. Well. That's us. Yeah. That's this but, podcast. But 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 hack and squirt is really kind of cutting into the cambium of a tree, squirting it with a with a, a, an herbicide, and eventually it mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a thing. And t- in TSI's timber stand improvement, sometimes we use these terms and maybe someone's kind of learning up on on uh, on what it takes to run a property. This I don't know if this is the right spot. <laughs> you may have come to the wrong place. <laughs> That's why we have. Yeah. Are we fake news? <laughs> Are we? Sometimes. Disinformation, right? What was here? that one weird one that you, oh, when uh, the CRP program started? Oh, I said it started <laughs> in the Great Depression. It was like 1984. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was oops. a recession in 84, yeah. so you weren't so far off. You know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we corrected it on air, people. Come on. So you're managing for whitetails. Are you, are you seeing anything? Are you seeing any impact on the turkey population? Oh, absolutely. And the, the coolest thing that I saw this spring was I had the first covey of quail that I've ever had wow. on that farm. So what do you think? It's just from having... CRP or, you know, warm season grasses or what is it that the habitat changed? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it was a combination. Whenever I did the dozing, I didn't burn the piles. I'd pushed them into certain areas to uh, create brush piles. And uh, one or two of them were actually used just to kind of deflect deer and help me with entrance into the different stands. Yeah. But uh, I've noticed cottontails are more than I've ever seen there. Cool. Uh, like I said, first covey of quail. Uh, problems i'm running into now is that's actually attracting more predators i've seen an abundance of bobcats and coyotes which yeah that's you know comes with the territory but we got to manage that next yeah when we talked to uh mike Mike chamberlain Chamberlain, you know in the previous podcast we were we were talking about predation and that's kind of the area we were trying to hone in on and it was pretty pretty amazing some of the wait to you watch that podcast you're it'll blow your mind some of the stuff that he he and well you probably already read the qdma article that he wrote regarding predation and it was pretty yes. mind-blowing i thought it's very mind-blowing so basically you can't kill enough coyotes because you kill one <laughs> no. one more comes hopefully yours are filled up on rabbits and quail and uh <laughs> they won't be eating your deer i hope not 
The facts say that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to keep eating. Yeah, it was like fifty percent of their reproducing diet. too. Yeah. Uh, so, so, it, but but it is interesting because when you make habitat improvements, typically it's not just one species that benefits; it's the entire ecosystem. Yeah. So turkey, quail, whatever yep. else is supposed to be there. Do you get, do you guys have pheasants around you? We don't. We're too far south. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and, and we should mention your 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 pieces in Illinois, Southern correct? Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, very southeast Illinois, about as far south as you can get. Gotcha. Now, uh, what about neighbors? Do you have neighbors that are kind of like-minded? Have you done any collaborative work with them? So I've got one neighbor that's a fairly big landowner, and he uh, borders all the west, south end, and part of the north side. And actually, I just found doing uh, our shed hunt two weekends ago that he just started some pretty heavy TSI. So uh, I've not met the guy. I've tried several times to come up to his camp and meet him. They've mm-hmm. never been there. Uh, so it's just hit and miss. But as far as like-minded, he looks like he's very good on habitat, which is going to help me as well. But I don't know age class or anything like that they're shooting. I know they shot it off a lot this year with a gun. Sure. <laughs> That's everybody's neighbor. <laughs> they yeah. a shooting range Shocker. over there or something. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they don't stop. Part of it. <laughs> so... So what about prospects for this coming year? You got some, you got some deer you're keeping your eye on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we actually had a pretty good shed and we found two match sets. One match set was, uh, he's going to be a good one next year. And my dad found him of all things. So I thought that was pretty cool. He's never found a, a good match set before, but he did this one. So as you, you know, you're the name of your place, you, you named your place at two dose farms. Yeah. Then you had another because you have two daughters. Then you guys had another daughter. Surprise. Three dose. Farms. Yeah. Surprise. I love that you're introducing the kids That's cool. over, you know, into the hunting because your wife, I love her to death, but she's a girly girl. And she's you're very girly. You're doing everything <laughs> you can to get your daughters kind of into your lifestyle that's the best part probably yeah i love it quincy she's just as much a boy i think as she is a girl she uh this chet hunt she's running around with carhartt bibs on and briar sticking out of her cheek and just <laughs> racing everybody to find the horn so she doesn't care one bit to get muddy or dirty so i think I camille my middle one she's gonna be more kind of like rachel she's the makeup and a delicate flower <laughs> yeah it's nice to have the the diversity in, in yeah. your kids. And, and so, you know, you're, balance. you're cultivating this property and ultimately you're doing it for them to have these experiences on. And uh, that that's probably something that's worth mentioning because, you know, we, we look at it from a land management standpoint. Hey, how can I make the best property for deer and turkey and everything else? Mm-hmm. But what you're really doing, you know, when you have a young family is you're also creating a habitat for your family to, yeah. to make you know, memories, e- experiences and, and all that stuff. A hundred percent. So, well, let's say we jump into the question of the day. All righty. Question of the day is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops in Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Hey, guys. This is uh, Dennis Colopy uh, from uh, Wolverine Lake, Michigan. Uh, me and a buddy of mine have property out in Jackson County at Spring Arbor, Michigan. Um, the one question I have is it is a great spot, Jackson County, to get deer out of Michigan, you know, in Big Buck, too, every year. Um, however, where we're hunting, we only seem to get the uh, year-and-a-half-year-olds, two-and-a-half-year-olds, um, you know, which, which is okay. I mean, we're not bored. We see deer all the time. Um, maybe not as much as a managed property, but we, we do get our uh, amount of deer out there. Um, so what advice could you give us maybe perhaps that we could do to maybe keep the bigger ones um, around our area? 
An age-old question. <laughs> yeah. If if we knew that, we'd probably have a bigger office. <laughs> How do you keep the big ones on you? And especially like if you've got a neighbor that's got a pretty good habitat, I'm sure that's, I mean, it overall benefits the herd, but they're, yeah. they don't care about property the, the lines. Th- the three things that you mentioned when we first started, food, <clears throat> bedding, water, you know, habitat. If you have those things, they're that you're more likely to have bigger bucks. But it's it's one of those things that if everybody in the neighborhood's doing the same things, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like food might win out. You know, food might win the day in, sure. that, in that equation. But Brick, what do you think? I would kind of give it kind of like coronavirus answer. The most uh limited resource is your most valuable resource, kind of like toilet paper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would look on Onyx or an app, something like that, and look around and see what your neighbors do have and see what they don't have. And whatever they don't have, that's probably what I would focus on adding. Mm. That's an interesting strategy, actually. And I've never thought about it or heard it put in that perspective. But it like, makes a lot of sense. I mean, you give them what they can't get anywhere else. Yeah, I always think in you know my small world of just hunting at the lease, it, everywhere around there is big ag. It's all big ag, mm-hmm. right? The kind of connected to me is a lot of timber. All right. I know they're bedded on the neighbor in all this timber. I know that. We've got a little bit of bedding habitat. The does seem to stay on me. The bucks yeah. seem to be in the timber. Well, come the rut, usually I'm in pretty good shape. I have a decent amount of food, you know, what we plant and food plots, and then what we uh, pay the farmer to mm-hmm. leave and crops. You know, once everybody else is shelling their corn and, you know, picking the beans and everything else, I tend to have some of the only food. You have to go to. Yeah, in the area. So you have that. You get the does because, you know, they tend to bed. We we do have enough bedding there where the does seem comfortable enough. Sure. And then when the rut comes, it seems like it's a rut farm and then a late season farm. You know, so mm-hmm. the rut, because they're coming to check all those does and then the late season, boom, that little bit of food, you know, I'm talking like a couple acres, yeah. acre or two, you know, five, $600 worth, you know, to ask the farmer to leave it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got a food source when a late season food source, when nobody else does, Yeah, you know, those strategies have helped me in a very, like a narrow, single minded way of thinking, like, how can I kill a deer? Mm-hmm. If I was in bricks, you know, spot or if I owned ground, own this ground, I would probably have a different strategy. I'm limited in what I can do with it. I I would leave a lot more food. I'd have way more bedding habitat than I do now, but I'm limited. I can't do those things. So, hey, how can I kill a deer, a a mature buck? Here's my two strategies based on what Mm -hmm. I do have. So, Brick, are you, are, do you hunt your, will you hunt your farm exclusively or are you going out based on the timing and hunting different areas? Yeah. And as far as the area here, I mainly will hunt my farm. I still have a few different pieces that uh, my buddies have that I've got permission on. They're good pieces and we all kind of are like-minded, but 95% it's on my farm now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it is really like. It's it's a it's a year round strategy to keep them there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. How many does are you harvesting a year? You don't have to give away like how big your piece is or anything like that. But how many does? Yeah, no, I've, it's uh not enough. We harvested five does this year, I believe, off my piece, and uh, there towards the end, I need to 
really bump it up this year. So I'm going to try to talk to all the, the guys that do have, which is problem is I don't let a lot of people hunt on me. So we're limited on how many we probably are going to be taking. So this year I'm going to have a few guys come in. We don't have in my County don't have a, an antlerless only season like a lot of the counties in Southern Illinois do. So I've got to recruit some guys to come in to basically just doe hunt for me. And it's kind of hard to get them all to do that without having a chance of shooting a buck. But yeah, I've got some that are wanting some meat. So I told them by all means, come shoot as many as you have tags for as long as they're legal. I'm good with it. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a tough thing because like, you know, for I, on the least every year we say this year, we're going to shoot a lot of does every single year. But I also go into it, I think, and you're probably in this boat, limited time to hunt. And we probably have more time than your average guy, but limited nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And so we're hunting when deer cast is great. It's basically the only days that I'm hunting outside of the rut. Sure. And so when I go, there's not, it's not, I don't have a great, um, there's not a lot of ways to once I kill something, I don't really have a way to skin it there or, you know, take care of it other than to field dress it and then take it to a processor. Yeah. I don't have the ability to do that stuff at home either. So it's like, I'm kind of stuck <laughs> with, mm-hmm. all right, do I want to shoot this dough? It's a heck of a lot of work too. It, if you it is our plus drive back home and yeah, it's a commitment. So uh-huh. in the early season, when you always think I'm going to do it in the early season, it's hot as hell. So mm-hmm. you're like, all right, if I do it, I got to know where I'm going to take this thing right away. <laughs> you yeah, know, you got to have a plan. So uh, for years, I've been very guilty of, we're going to do a better job this year and, and pra- practice what you preach. I haven't done it either. I mean, it's just tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to, you know, if you don't have the right setup, yeah. you got to have the right mindset for sure. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm committed here. Right. And then I'm over here like Thanos. Yeah. Killing, killing every doe that walks by six <laughs> this past year. I just need you to come to my place. Maybe that's the, <laughs> well, the, the problem. Like my problem is I just didn't kill a buck this past. <laughs> I would trade those six does for one single buck. Yeah, but you have more meat in the freezer. Oh freezer yeah, than I do. Well, last night I went to check uh, our deep freeze just to like I think I took something out. We we're making venison chili or something, and it's full. It's one of these kind of stand up yeah. ones. It's about like that, and it's it's not taken anymore. You're so ready I'm, for Corona. Ready? I'm going to do some bartering. <laughs> Get like a deck built or something. I was going to say somebody. Traits. You go to somebody that killed a bug and be like, "Could I have your antlers? Here's some. <laughs> that could work. I'm not too proud." <laughs> well, Dennis, thank you for uh, for uh, for offering the question. We appreciate it. If folks want to uh, leave a question for us, just go to juryoutdoors.com. You can either go to uh, extras and find the podcast tab, or you can just type in juryoutdoors.com/slash/podcast and get there. Leave us a voicemail. Leave your name, location, and brief question we appreciate it how how many acres you hunt uh if you're willing to have tim come if you need if you have a troublesome large deer that needs to be taken out (laughs) or just 50 does (laughs) (laughs) too much venison i need tim to come hunt with me right so i'm saying i I just love shooting my bow and i love shooting does yeah i love shooting deer in general but when I'm at dad's, I have a, a much different mentality about shooting. Toes. Sure. <laughs> sure. Like, it's game on. He, he's got a walk-in cooler. He's got, it's totally literally, different. it's everything is set to kill deer. At yeah. That place. Yeah. You know, it, 
it's just a different, it's, you gotta have the right mindset and be ready to put in the work. Yeah. If, if I didn't have the setup, I do uh, behind my house, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as, and, and there are times when I pass on a doe cause I like, well, I got something going on that night and yeah. I just don't have time to, to process it. Yeah. So even I exercise restraint from time to time. Much to the chagrin of your chagrin, wife. That's a good word. <laughs> hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Hey, that's right. Is, is that shenanigans? I think that's Irish <laughs> chagrin. I think so. Yeah. Hey. Let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of words, you guys ready for the wildlife word this oh, week? Oh, am I? Bricks like Bring eh, it. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, this week's wildlife word is gizzard. Yeah. So uh, I know... <laughs> I know that back yeah, home, yeah, you know. like liver dumplings and like gizzards and like fried gizzard. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Do you guys like gizzards? Uh, I don't know that I've ever had them. Li- liver dumplings, I never thought I would like, but as an ad- as a, an adult, I've actually started eating them because they're such a big thing back where we come from. It's huh. like a German community or okay. whatever, and um, it they're awesome. They're like really, really good, but they look like intestines. They don't sound <laughs> great, but yeah. Have you ever had liver yeah, dumplings? I don't know, Matt. I might have to be out on that, but gizzards aren't too bad. I mean, if you, you like gizzards, fried, you'd right? like liver. Come okay. on, <laughs> yeah. My my grandpa Chelsvik used to deep. He used to pan fry gizzards all the oh, time. Oh, Grampy Chelsvik. And, and man, I, I, as a kid, I would eat them. But I didn't know what they were. So if you don't know what a gizzard is, it's a thick walled muscle in birds used for grinding food. The gizzard, which is full of grit, usually stones or pebbles, is the main way birds process food from their crop. Well, you hear people say you really gotten my. No, that's craw. Craw. <laughs> Which may be the same I, that's thing. That's what I'm thinking. I, I believe it's the same thing. Because yeah, you got in my gizzards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, what did I do? <laughs> you really ticked me off. I don't know what I did, but putting stones in my gizzards. So yeah. there's, the, there's the wildlife <laughs> word. It's delicious and a little bit timely because it's turkey season. Turkeys have gizzards. I think a lot of people are going to rush out to their grocery store because gizzards are probably the only thing the only in the meat left. section. It's left. funny because I was telling Randall last <laughs> because she sent me to the store Sunday on my way home from the shed hunt because yeah. I was out and there was like no meat. You know, we were just getting like the weekly stuff that we need, not like months of supplies. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to pick up some hamburger and this and that and the other. And I was like, yeah, there's nothing here. The only thing that's left is very questionable like you i finally dip into that elk you got yeah families of four are like like studying it like, oh, <laughs> reading the back of it i'm like steer clear if it's the only thing left in the frozen section and everything else is gone something's wrong with it <laughs> it's also weird because because growing up catfishing we you would usually fish for channels with uh with chicken livers and so when i see chicken, chicken livers. livers in the little plastic bucket yeah. in the the meat section i'm like oh, that's bait that's not food. But that's what you grind up for liver dumplings, isn't it? I don't know what kind of liver they use for. You're the dumpling expert. Or is it pork uh, liver? Uh, I don't remember. Pork and chicken are pretty much the same thing, right? I, I'm just trying to remember what the liver comes from. <laughs> it's not well, human. I know that. Maybe we can find out and, and people can tune in next week and find it. I feel like it's, it's chicken, but I don't know. Monkey. Bat, eh. bat liver I don't, from yeah. Wuhan. Well, we got to be careful there. Create I've cut stir. way back on my bat <laughs> consumption the last yeah. couple of weeks. Well, this um, thing's gone off the rails. 
Yep. We should probably <laughs> just end it uh, and thank Dr. Brick Stewart for joining us. He'll be back next week talking mm-hmm. about how to keep your shoulders because he is a doctor of chiropractic. Yeah. How to keep your shoulders in shooting shape. Which Tim and I both have a lot of questions on because I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah. And, uh, and so and it, it's a thing as you age. Do you want to be able to keep your shoulder in good shape? But there's a lot of forces at play there. I, could, I was talking to Rick Malik. He's another team member of ours and a fellow Bow Madness cast member of Bricks. And we, I was, we were talking about our bow setups, and this was just this this past week. And um, he said that he had just found out that uh, I think he had a bicep tendon tear or some, something Dude. crazy like that. He's got to get repaired. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, man, I'm having shoulder issues lately, and. Uh, you know, he, he was saying that he had actually tore his so, something with his shoulder muscle on bo, on uh, dream season. Yeah, he was on dream season. Yeah. So he was letting down on a deer or something, I believe, in Illinois. Yeah. And that's what happened to me this past fall. So anyways, we'll, we're, we're giving away the next podcast. Better tune in next week. Te- teaser. Yeah. That was a deep tease, <laughs> yes. as the people in the industry like to say. What industry? Well, well <laughs> some, I don't know, man. Hack and squirt. Whatever. Well, that's a different industry. All right. That's, All right. You're getting off the rails. Let's uh, let's shut this thing down, shall we? All right. See you guys next week. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks for bringing us down, Brick. <laughs>